0: Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. A little bit in the dark, but we're not going to... We want you to just focus in on the sermon tonight as we... We preach, and uh, we're not going to worry about putting a lot of notes on the screen tonight because we just want you to be able to focus in on the text of Scripture. The writer of John's Gospel knew a lot about the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a disciple whom Jesus loved, and he spent a lot of time with the Lord. And he would account for us the last few moments of the Lord's life. And I want you to just listen to what he says in the the words of his writing as he writes to us and encourages us uh, to um, understand that Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary gave everything for us. Amen? John's gospel, and we're going to be in... Hey, Tim, where you at, buddy? We may have to turn that light on. I'm blind as a bat. You know, when you're blind like that. Seriously, listen to what Jesus says on the cross of Calvary. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things, he said, were now to be accomplished, and that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Jesus is giving to us the last few moments of his life. I thought I could do it, brother, but you know I'm blind. Now listen to what it says. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine and put it to his lips after putting it on his soap. And listen to what he says. And so when Jesus had received this sour wine, he said, It is finished. Those are powerful words. It is finished. And listen to what he says. John records for us important words. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. I want you to understand something. The subject matter tonight is I want to focus on these words. It is finished. But I want you to underline and understand that when Jesus was on the cross of Calvary, he wasn't murdered there. They didn't take his life from him. He laid it down. Think about that. He laid it down. Did you catch what John said? John said, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Wow, think about that. Jesus would do that for me. He would do that for you. He didn't have to die, but he did. And he did so willfully. He told Pilate, if I lay my life down, I will take it up again. Woo, that's good words. That's powerful words, isn't it? But those words, it is finished. I want you to think about those words for a moment because there are really four definitions that sort of define and help us to understand the depth of those words. And I want to just tonight talk about those four definitions and just let that sort of be the backdrop of our sermon tonight. And so we won't have to be here all night long because I could preach all night, you know I can, but but to sort of just sort of get to the the text of what it means to say it is finished, write these down. If you keep notes, write these down. First of all, I want you to write down it means it is accomplished. What did Jesus accomplish? On the cross of Calvary, Jesus accomplished everything the Father gave him to do. The work, the purpose. We're told in Genesis 3.15, the euangelio, the the beginning of the gospel. We get this this idea of what the gospel is going to be. The the seed that's going to come and crush the serpent seed. We know that's Jesus. It's It's the gospel given to us in one verse. Genesis 3.15, all throughout the scripture we read, that Jesus the Messiah was going to come and he was going to accomplish the task that God had given him to do. The task of redeeming us. Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, five, and this would be a good night to read Isaiah 53 by the way. But he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. See, God's plan from Genesis to Revelation. God's plan was for Jesus to come and to be the Savior of the world. And Jesus on the cross cried out, It is finished! Meaning it is accomplished. He accomplished for us. And Jesus himself, listen... Jesus himself in Luke 2.49, when his mom and dad were looking for him, you remember they left the Passover and they were heading home and they were about three days on this journey. They realized they lost their 12-year-old boy. Can I get an amen? You ever lost your kid in the store? I can remember when Chris was little and we were in New Jersey in this big giant department store and all of a sudden he's gone. We're like, oh no, where'd he go? And we found him or really somebody... A clerk brought him to us. He was over in the crystal clock area playing with crystal clocks. And thank God he didn't break any. That's when we discovered that they had dog leashes for kids. Amen. You remember those? You put your kid on a dog leash. It wasn't on the back. You know, today they got the little halter and got it on the back. Then it was on the wrist. And he didn't like that thing and he was fussing and crying about it, but we knew where he was. Amen. So mom and dad have lost baby, or excuse me, lost young Jesus at 12, and they go back and they find him and they find him impressing the scholars, right? And what did Jesus say to them? Listen what Jesus said. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? See, his whole life is summed up at the cross of Calvary by accomplishment of the father's will. He was doing what God had called him to do, even in the garden as he wrestled. He said, not my will, but your will be done. He submitted himself to the Father's plan, the Father's will. John 17, four, listen to what Jesus said. I have glorified you on the earth. Listen to what he says. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus knew what he came here to do. Jesus didn't come as a baby to just be adorned. And to be loved on every Christmas. That wasn't why he he didn't come to give us Christmas. He didn't come and die on the cross around this time of year so that we can celebrate Easter eggs and have Easter egg hunts and do all those things. No, Jesus came to be obedient to God's plan A, not plan B. God never had to go. Oops, I made a mistake. Let me do something a little different. No, it was God's plan A. From the listen before eternity time, before he even created the earth. He knew that he would send Jesus at the exact time, at the exact moment, born of the Virgin Mary into the world to live the life that he lived in order that he would accomplish God's plan for our redemption. That is a powerful thing. And Jesus accomplished. Listen, nothing thwarted him. Do you know Satan tried, right? You know all about Matthew chapter 4. Do you all remember Matthew chapter 4? Jesus goes out in the desert and he's there 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil comes to him and tries to thwart the plan of God. And what do you think is behind all those evil, wicked Roman soldiers that put him on the cross? What do you think is behind all those Jewish religious fanatics who put Jesus on the cross? None other. None other. None other. And Satan trying to thwart the plan of God, but he didn't know, did he? The plan of God was Jesus was going to die. And praise God, on the third day, he would come to life again. Amen? Now I know it's not Easter yet, but man, he's alive now. We don't have to wait till Sunday morning and say he's alive. He's alive today, he's alive tonight. Amen? So, Jesus, when we think about crying out, it's finished, it's the words, it's accomplished. I've done everything God that you've asked me to do. It's done. That's obedience, Paul says, to the point of death, even death on a cross. And he did that, ladies and gentlemen, for you and for me. We celebrate tonight to telesti. It is accomplished. The second thing is it means this simply, it's fulfilled. Well, what did Jesus fulfill? Well, according to my Bible, he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law perfectly. When he died on the cross of Calvary, he fulfilled the law for you and for me. Aren't you glad that you're not bound by Old Testament laws anymore? I'm thankful I had some ribs last night and I'm thankful I can eat ribs, amen? So Jesus came and fulfilled the law. Listen to what Jesus did in Matthew 5. 17 18, he said, do not think that I've come to destroy the law and the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely i say to you till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until it's fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the law. Perfect, perfectly. And when we talk about the law, you know, there's two that we need to talk about tonight. First of all, we want to talk about the moral law. Jesus fulfilled the moral law that God had given Israel. You know what the moral law was, right? We call them the Ten Commandments. And God gave us the Ten Commandments as a moral law. That's why I believe, even as believers today, listen, they are great principles by which we ought to live by in our life. We don't live by laws anymore, but we live by these great principles of the Ten Commandments. We should not have any other gods before gods, amen? We should not have any images that we worship. Listen, people in churches today, they begin to worship sometimes buildings. Sometimes they begin to worship the things in the building. Listen, we're not to replace God with this stuff, amen? This this is gonna be burned up one day. One day, it's not even gonna be in existence. But, so we come together tonight and we realize that this moral law that God has given us that we ought not have any other. So Jesus fulfilled that perfectly. Jesus never broke the 10 commandments. He never committed adultery. And don't forget what Jesus said in Matthew 5. Adultery is just not an act. Adultery is in the heart. Jesus said, any man looks at a woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery with her. And I'm sure that we could say it's vice versa, right? That a woman looking at lust at a guy has committed adultery with him in her heart. Jesus never broke any of the laws. He kept them perfectly. Thank God that he did. Listen to what Peter says about him. He committed no sin. Boy, that's simple, isn't it? That helps us to understand Jesus. And listen to Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. Here's what God demanded. God says, for I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves and you shall be holy for I am holy. Holy. Jesus was able to accomplish the law morally because he was holy. Why? Because he was God, Amen. and being God, he was holy, and Jesus therefore never sinned. Could he have sinned? Well, we're not going to argue about that tonight, because the reality is he never did. Never did. Was tempted, the Bible says, in all ways like us, yet without sin. So he knows what temptations like. He knows the agony of temptation, but he never gave to it. He never succumbed to the devil's plan, the devil's idea to try to corrupt the sacrifice that God would offer on Calvary's Mount for you and for me. That's pretty good news, isn't it? But understand too that Jesus not only fulfilled the moral law, but he fulfilled the ceremonial law. Well, what do you mean? Well, you know all those commandments that were given to us through the word in the Old Testament, right? That, that he talked about, not only about adultery, and he would right away, God would reemphasize adultery through some of the ceremonial stuff. But then we begin to talk about the temple and how you ought to worship in the temple and how God would dwell there and, and that you must come before God with holy and, and consecrate yourself before you come into the temple. And, and we begin to talk about the sacrificial system that was given. And, and listen, it wasn't just the The once a year sacrifice, but other sacrifices that were given for different reasons and different purposes throughout the year. And so there was this whole sacrificial system by which the the people of, of the Jews, the Israelites, they would have to come and they would have to make these sacrifices. Well, Jesus fulfilled all those by becoming the sacrifice himself. And once for all, paying the debt for you and for me by fulfilling the ceremonial law. Well, he really drove the Pharisees crazy, didn't he? Because, you know, they, they tried to talk about, you know, hey, you're not supposed to do this on the Sabbath. And Jesus had to remind them who owns the Sabbath, right? And uh, Jesus forgave sins and, then, and they didn't like that. And so Jesus had to remind them that he had the authority to forgive sins. And then to prove it, he told that man that was paralyzed and dropped through the, the roof of the building, he says, take up your bed and go. And he picked up his bed and he left. Jesus had to constantly remind the Pharisees that their misinterpretation of the law was binding people. It was not freeing them. And that wasn't God's purpose and intent. But Jesus came to free them by fulfilling the whole purpose of the law. Listen, the greatest one, we do not offer sacrifices anymore. Aren't you glad? I don't know if I can handle all the blood and gore. I I think I would say, God, I really don't want to be a priest. You know, I enjoy being a pastor. God called me to pastor and I enjoy that. But if God called me to be the priest, I don't know if I'd like that so much, you know? Had to get bloody and deal with all the sacrifices. And can you just imagine making atonement once a year and the number of sacrifices you had to make on the day of atonement? Wow, what a burden. What a lot to do. What a great foreshadowing of the sacrifice Jesus would ultimately make for us And so there's no longer any need for sacrifice because Jesus took the sacrificial lamb and he became the sacrificial lamb. But you remember, not only did he become the sacrificial lamb to shed his blood to wash away our sins and to make us clean. But here's the awesome thing about it. If you go back to the Old Testament, you find out that there was actually two. There was a sacrificial lamb, but then there was a scapegoat. Think about this for a minute. They would pray over the scapegoat and all their sins would be imputed onto that goat and they would let it go into the wilderness. Jesus not only took our sin upon his own body on the cross as a sacrificial lamb, but he took all of our sins upon himself and carried them far away. Think about that as the scapegoat. That's powerful, folks. That's good news. That's what the gospel's all about. And the reality is there wasn't anything required of us, was there? It was all of, all of Christ, all of him. And what he done for us and for me. Well, listen, not only not only does it talk about us having these laws fulfilled, not only is it talking about us having this accomplished, but listen, it means what we always say it means, right? It is paid in full. We love those words, don't we? We talk about that all the time at this time of year. When we talk about the sacrifice of Christ, we talk about being paid in full. Well, what was paid for? Well, your sin debt. Think about it for a minute. We don't like those words, sin, debt. I talk to a lot of people and you begin to talk about the gospel and and they're okay with Jesus being a savior and you know, they're okay about, you, you talk about the nice side of that. But when you begin to say you have the need for him because you are a sinner, they begin to bow up. They begin to say, whoa, 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 I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I never murdered anybody. I never cheated on my taxes. I don't know why we always go to there. I don't know why we do that. I mean, there's, you know, hundreds and thousands of people, I guess, cheating on their taxes. And so, you know, just to say we never cheated on our taxes makes us this great and wonderful person. I don't know why people go there, but they do. And so they begin to talk about their goodness. They begin to talk about how good they are. But the reality is that Jesus had to pay a sin debt that we all have. And everybody in this room, listen, you were born with a debt you could not pay. And the debt was this imputed sin The sin that was given to you because Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. We call it the original sin. It was given to you. Every single man, woman, boy, and girl born into this world is born in sin. And we don't like that. I know we don't like that. Why is it that Adam sins and I I get the guilt of that? Why is it that because of him sinning, I'm in his sin? That doesn't seem fair. Well, let's just stop for a minute and ask ourselves. Do I ever sin? Do I ever find myself sinning against God? Well, you can just take the Ten Commandments, right? that moral law, begin to look at the moral law, all 10 of them. Has there ever been a time, sir, that you've never looked at another woman with lust in your heart? Have you been free of that all your life? If so, come talk to me. I wanna know how you did it. (laughs) Amen? You with me? We all would have to say tonight that we have found ourselves in a place where we are, yes, we have this imputed sin where, where we are all sinners in Adam, but the reality is I sin, so therefore I've proven the very fact that I am in sin in Adam because I'm not free from sinning. And bless my heart, even as a believer in Jesus Christ, born again, my debt being paid in full, My sin being forgiven, past, present, and future, I still find myself, like Paul in Romans 7, doing the very things I wish not to do, and the very things I will to do, I do not do. Why is that? Because Paul says that even as a redeemed Christian, I'm living in this flesh. And as long as I'm in this nasty, stinking, ungodly flesh, I'm going to sin because the flesh is yet to be redeemed. It will be one day, praise God, amen? Amen. It will be redeemed. We'll be glorified perfectly in heaven. If you want to know more about that, come Wednesday night, I'll talk about heaven a little bit. Just a little bit, because all I know is a little bit. I don't know a whole lot about heaven, but listen to what Paul says about us being in sin. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Did you catch what he said? Death spread to all men. He says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. See, the debt that you and I owe, we could not pay because we did not have the means to do so. Well, it's not that not that God's looking for money. God's not looking for money. And no, what God's looking for is the perfect lamb. He's looking for the perfect sacrifice So the lamb who was slain who was without sin. God is looking for you and I to surrender our lives to the work of Christ on the cross. See too many of us in this room, we think that, you know, this this debt, we can, we can sort of pay this debt by doing some good things. You know, we can we can go to church and you know be faithful there. And if we're just faithful in church, that's going to sort of tip the scale, it's going to pay the debt that we owe. Or or maybe we think we just give our, our money generously to different causes around the world or to a church that we think that, well, we're sort of tipping the scale in the right way. The reality is, unless you have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, there is nothing you can do to change the fact that you owe a debt that has not been paid and you cannot pay it. Only Jesus can do that. And the good news tonight is that God did not send Jesus as a strong-armed man to come to the world to hold us ransom and to make us pay up. That's not what Jesus did. Matter of fact, Jesus said the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't come to be the strong-armed man. He came to die in our place and to pay the debt that we could not pay. How awesome is that? I couldn't pay it, so he paid it for me. But here's why it's even more so a greater thing. He never did anything that deserved death. He, being God, was really the offended party. When we think about sin and our sin against God, it was against his son Jesus as well, because he's God. And yet being the offended party... He would go to the cross and he would shed his blood and he would pay for your sin debt and for my sin debt there. I don't know about you, that sure does put a lot of gratitude in my heart tonight. It sort of reminds me, Mike, you've been redeemed by someone far greater than any work, any ideology, any philosophy, anything that I could ever dream up to try to keep myself saved. Amen? And when we think about this debt, when we think about him paying for us, I want you to think about it in three ways. First of all, it was painful. Let's not kid ourselves. The cross wasn't easy. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane would be under such tremendous pressure that his blood became as, or his sweat became as drops of blood in the garden. He was under such tremendous pressure about the cross and yet he would go. And it was painful. It was probably not until really the passion of the Christ that I really understood how wicked the Roman soldiers were and how awful the pain must have been for the sacrifice of Jesus. See, I've never been whipped like that. I've never had anybody punch me in the face with blindfolds on and just continue to punch me. I, I've never had a crown of thorns placed on my, my head and then pushed down with a, with a, with a rod. I've never had nails driven into my hands and my feet. I've never had all that stuff. It was painful. But you know what's worse than pain? It's loneliness. He gets arrested in the garden. And even those who said, I'll never forsake you. (laughs) Where'd they go? They left him. Oh, they, they follow from a distance, and then Peter, right, his great denial. They said, "You're one of you're one of them," uh, and no, 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 I'm not, I'm not. And by the third time, we have him cussing to sort of save his own hide. And so, you know, Jesus was on a lonely journey, and then the Bible says that when Jesus was hanging there, the sixth hour, darkness came upon all the earth, and and we don't understand this darkness some say scientifically, maybe it was an eclipse, but we don't really understand, but it became so dark that there wasn't a sun and there, there wasn't a moon and there wasn't stars and, and Jesus is hanging on this cross and he's, he's there alone and he would cry out to God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you realize the loneliness of those words? That for the very first time, In all of eternity, the father would look away from his son in displeasure because he was bearing your iniquity, your sin in his own body on the cross. (coughs) It was lonely for Jesus, but it was also substitutionary for us. (laughs) See, we deserve to die. We deserve to torture we deserve to be whipped with that catty nine tail. We deserve to have to carry the cross down the Via Dolorosa. We, we deserve to, to be laid onto the ground and nailed through our hands and our feet upon this cross. We should have worn the crown of thorns on our head, but Jesus did it for you. Substitutionary death, substitutionary death. I heard a story one time, I think Adrian Rogers told it. It's worth repeating if Adrian said it. Adrian Rogers told a story about a schoolboy who went to school and somebody was stealing lunches. And finally it was found out that there was a boy who had nothing, hardly at home to eat and he was hungry. And so he was stealing lunches and he got caught and the teacher said, do you know in order to Uh, or or because you got caught, there is a punishment for that. There, you know, it's a good rule of thumb just because you're hungry doesn't give you the right to steal, right? And uh, there's a moral law. And so the teacher was going to whip the, the boy and Adrian said there was this strapping of a boy in the class who came up and he leaned over the other boy and he said, okay, I'll take his whipping for him. That's what Jesus did he took his whipping for you. Wow. Wow. And was it costly? Listen to what Peter says about the cost. Knowing that you're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Amen. One last definition. The words that he used. It is finished. What was finished? Redemption. It was complete. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you, there is nothing we can add to the cross. It's not the cross plus good works. It's not the cross plus be Baptist. It's the cross. And the cross only. Alone. What Jesus did was to pay our redemption. And you know what? It's really spitting in the face of God when we say that's not enough. Let me be good. I know Jesus died, but let me be good. No, God says, I will not accept that. I will only accept the finished work of my son, Jesus, who died on the cross. There is nothing else necessary. There is nothing else that will be accepted by God, not any religion or rituals or human work or contribution from us, period. He did it all for us to turn us who are wicked sinners into saints. I don't know about you tonight, but as I think about this Easter season and I think about Jesus giving up his very life for me on the cross. It only drives me to a couple of things. First of all, it drives me to the reality that I cannot leave my life unchecked. As a believer in Jesus Christ, I do not work for him in order to earn my salvation. I do not try to live my life wholly because I'm earning my salvation. But it sure is, I don't know the words, but it sure just makes reasonable sense that if my savior would go through all of that for me on the cross of Calvary, certainly I can dedicate my life wholly to him. Amen? Think about that. So it's surrender. I surrender to him. The second thing that comes into my mind as I've been thinking about this sermon tonight is the sadness in my heart at the times that I have failed him. But then, in that sadness, I'm also reminded of the joy that when He did pay my debt to Him, He paid it all right there, and that although I can be saddened by my failure, I can take comfort and joy in knowing that His sacrifice—excuse me—was complete. I don't have to worry. God is not going to love me any less than He already loves me. He's not going to love me any more that he already loves me because I'm in Jesus. And therefore it drives my mind to a third thing, thanksgiving. I can't help but celebrate that my Jesus would pay all that debt for me to ransom me, to save me out of the slave market of sin and make me his child is with me every day. He promised that all those who come to him will in no wise be cast out. He said, and everyone that comes to him will never, I love this, never be disappointed. How awesome is that? Folks, I know it's somber to think of the cross, but it ought to be a time of celebration because the greatest debt that you and I ever owed was paid perfectly on the cross of Calvary by Jesus Christ, who said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up. They didn't take it. Gave up his life for you. Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.